Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week we thought we'd mark what would have been Gene Wilder's 85th birthday with arguably his most famous film. That is, of course, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Joining me to review this 1971 children's classic, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film and sat to my right, it's Mr. Jason Doley. Hello. I'm very surprised, Jason, you haven't seen this film. Yeah, it's it's been one that I've... It's not that I've avoided it. I've mm. just kind of never gotten the full opportunity. I've, I've had times where we've sat down to watch it, and then I've been distracted by something, and I've come back, and it's over. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it, when I was looking at the notes for this, I was surprised it is only about a 90-minute film. Mm. It's not long, and my memories of it as a as a child and even watching it more recently is that it's a magical adventure that goes for, you know, a nice long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so what do you actually know about it? Well, I have seen the, um, Tim Burton version. Right. Yeah. So I that know doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah. No, I know. I'm aware it doesn't count. Um, I can't remember who you had on during the Truman show, but they were talking about how much they love Tim Burton. Mm. I can't stand Tim Burton. It's yeah. It's it, it, it. He's a stylistic choice. He is. Uh, well, he has. He has been. I'd. would argue that kind of he's kind of stopped being a stylistic choice lately. Kind of since Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, probably he's become a kind of a caricature of himself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. He's. Mm. Um, he has good films, uh, and I would say that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory isn't one of those. Mm. Is, is my personal opinion. It's. It's an okay film, but there are better films of that story already existing. Um, yeah, this one. Have you read, have Have you read the book? No, I never read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Of, is it the Great Glass Elevator? Is that the other one? Yeah. 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 Um, no, I've never read those. I, as a kid, I read Matilda and the Twits. Okay. I mean, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay, so yeah, you read most of the other Dahl classics. Yeah, just, yeah. Just not this one. Yeah, uh, there's a lot I missed with Dahl. I think mm. those are it, like no James and the Giant Peach. Or, oh, yeah. The Witches. Did you read the Witches? Yes, no. I'm yes, no. I did read the Witches. I okay. get the Witches and the Twits confused because it is all about like somebody you're kind of living with being evil and having to try and solve them in weird ways. In, in fairness, a lot of Dahls is like that. Though. Like <laughs> George's Marvelous Medicine, uh, Matilda, like you said. Yeah. This, to be honest, this one kind of, I think, is the only one that isn't like that. Yeah. Fantastic um, Mr. Fox, maybe. Yeah, he had to deal with the farmers. Yeah, true. And I yeah. guess he kind of lived with the farmers. Yeah. It's, um, I guess it's, it's not an outsmarting film. I suppose. Well, I suppose. story. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you'll find out. Yeah, won't I? And joining us uh, as our guest who has seen the film and uh, the better half of Mr. Jason Dolly, it's Dr. Carmen Dolly. (laughs) Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. And you obviously have seen this film. Yes, I have. In a vague, non-spoilery sort of way. Um, What is it that you um, like about this film? I think growing up, I had four kind of live action movies that I would watch over and over and over again. Um, I've made Jason watch the other three, which were <laughs> Bedknobs and Broomsticks, mm-hmm. uh, Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And then right. it was this one. But I think this one was so terrifying as a child. It's terrifying. It is scary. Yeah. yeah. It was like my first foray into horror movies. <laughs> yeah. I would put the film on and then I'd watch it for the first 20 minutes and then hide behind the couch and then come back out for 10 <laughs> minutes and then hide behind the couch again. It was just, there were certain points that just terrified me, but it delighted me all the same. Mm. I think maybe the most terrifying thing though about this film is, is the amount of sugar that's that's there like uh, watching is a, <laughs> watching as someone who's trying to be slightly more dietary responsible as an adult as opposed to a child who's like give me more it's yeah. it's that's maybe the most terrifying thing that and the possibility of the dentist bills yeah true yeah well, i guess there's the dentist bit in the other film oh that's true oh, that's true yeah. yeah i think it's all kind of odd like i've watched a lot of the reboots of things like you had me on for the first appearance of alien and i was like oh i've never seen alien i've seen prometheus hmm. and i guess Maybe by the end of it, I'll be able to tell you whether I just tend to keep watching the bad reboots and not Mm. watching the good films. All right. Well, shall we get into it? Yes. Let's. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, pop in your DVDs and uh, get out your golden tickets (laughs) as we prepare to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And by we, I, of course, mean Jason and Carmen. Hey! Jason, what did you think of the film? <laughs> think of the movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really, it's it's good. Like, it's, it's a classic. It's very, um... It was kind of what I expected it to be, because... It's been sent up in pop culture a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, even during it, I referred to a few times like jokes that are referenced in the Futurama episode with the Fry and the Sloan Factory or the Family Guy one, which was like really early on as well. Mm. Yeah. That was a beer um, factory, I think. Yeah, them. it was a yeah, beer yeah. factory, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. sing about uh, Land of Pure Inebriation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, but I think I think the um, the future hour one's funnier. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, also, I mean, while we review uh, satirical takes on this film instead of the film, um, I, I would agree the future hour one is is more well told. The Family yes. Guy one yeah. is kind of like gets in and out pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, we're going to sing that exact same song. Yeah. Yep. Although okay. the one that's made me laugh the most is from another episode with the golden ticket falling over. Ah, yeah, yeah which yeah. is yeah the Family Guy one. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it is pretty enjoyable. Um, mm. it, it is a very, a very gritty 1970s film in a lot of ways though. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not pretty. No, no, it isn't. In fact, when we first walked into the, um, the magical land of pure imagination, um, I just said <laughs> to everyone, I'm like, that looks disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it's gross chocolate water. It, yeah, it, it's it gross looks chocolate like water. Those women's weekly recipe cards from the seventies, like does. With, the, <laughs> with the fish jellies and, and yes. you know the the um 
tomato cocktails mm. in brandy. But the whole like and... everything's edible. I looked at it like, well, clearly you just worked out how to make edible paper mache and just went nuts because mm. <laughs> everything yeah. looks like plasticky and paper mache or it's a balloon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of that set was actually edible, uh, mm. which was quite quite impressive. I mean, but things like the gummy bears <laughs> yeah. were obviously like rubber. Yeah, um, but and they the kids took a good bite out of them. Oh well, yeah, they, you know, still gave it a good go. Um, mm. The film has very long opening credits of just chocolate being made. Yeah, um, and we did know kind of like, oh wow, you really had to earn the film sitting through the credits. Yeah, but it also has the overture of the music. And uh, Carmen, I don't know about you, but for me, I think the thing that whenever I watch this film is that the music always really sits with me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when they were first making the film. Um, originally they weren't going to have music except for like the Oompa Loompa poems and stuff. And then someone, I forget who, one of the producers said, no, no, you've got to be like Mary Poppins and, you know, all mm. these kids movies, you've got to have music. And they did, who were the people who wrote the music? There was Anthony Newley. Um, and ooh, don't have that I list don't in front remember of me. <laughs> the other one. And then the only thing I know that Anthony Newley also did was Dr. Doolittle mm. from 1969, which... Right. The Rex Harrison one. The Rex Harrison one, which is just a total bomb. So mm. it always surprises me mm. that I'm sure he's written other stuff. Mm. Actually, no, he did write a musical as well. So I guess that's that. But mm. the, the music in this is just so memorable. And, yeah. and so it, it sticks in your head. Yeah. And I mean, it surprises me that I haven't done much else you yeah. know, apart from this. I mean, obviously, uh, Pure Imagination is the big one. Yeah. Um, with the, as as you noted whilst watching, Jason, the like uh, slight undertone of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. In this nice song. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, it, but it's a lovely piece of music. And yeah. for anyone out there who likes a little bit of a seventies funk take on things, Lou Rolls does a cover of that song, <laughs> and it's actually quite good. Uh, whilst being tragically seventies um, at the same time, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a very good song. Uh, I've got a golden ticket. Um, it's a fantastic song as well, and mm. um, particularly once you get uh, Grandpa Joe singing it as well. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, Kane. yeah. And I don't know. I must have been like, as a kid, obviously, like, when I watched this film, I got excited because when watching it again, I was kind of like, I felt really happy. Yeah. Was, Grandpa Joe's getting up. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Grandpa Joe's getting up when really it's kind of like, you're just kind of a layabout. You've been yeah. in bed for 20 years. <laughs> you probably smell really bad as well. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I don't want to look at those bedpans. Woo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just imagine be like, the legs should be covered in bed sores. Yeah. yeah. Some blood clots everywhere in your legs. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Carmen could probably tell us what happens if someone sits down for 20 years and doesn't get up. Yeah. I don't really want to think about it. <laughs> Okay. It's it's yeah. unpleasant. Yes. Um, but um, that, but that's the thing. And again, it's the thing I always find with Roald Dahl texts is whether it's this, whether it's Matilda, as mm. in the film, the book, or the stage show, whether it's the twits, wh- whatever it is, there's just this really lovely thing about Roald Dahl managed to find a way to show the world as children generally see it in a way mm. that I don't think anyone else has quite captured. No. Mm. And I think it's a really unique thing. Like you've got um four grandparents in bed. Yeah, four yeah. Gran- which is like an absurd image. Uh but but, uh, but it makes sense as a child. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. you had to show something to show that like you know all the grandparents are bedridden, they're all in the bed. Mm. It's simple. It's like um yeah, there's that level of like how you see as a child sees it mm. like they imagine that their teachers live at school. Yeah. As yeah. well. Like we all probably thought that. Yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah, because when you saw a, a, a teacher out at like, the supermarket, it was always yeah. like, what's Mrs. Jones doing here? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's it's really lovely. And it's it's a quality that I think this film does a really good job of holding on to, mm. particularly in the first half. And particularly mm. with some bits of the film, which I must admit I'd forgotten about, such as um, Charlie's science teacher. 
I'd completely forgotten about that character, but just that really lovely, like, um, that lovely thing of it's like, if you knew more than me, then you'd be the teacher and I'd be the student and then you'd be teaching me and it wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, just yeah. that lovely attitude. It also yeah, like and the then idea just of, not like, knowing how to do percentages at all. Yeah, yeah it's like, like this yeah. is a percentage, I'm going to do it, you just give me things and I'll do it and then you've got to learn from that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just, it's really wonderful yeah. how, how that got communicated in this film. And, mm. um, or even the idea of the um, even the Candyman, like an entire shop that is nothing mm. but, I guess it's like for us that's weird, like the idea of an entire candy shop. But they used to have like you know lemonade stands and lemonade bars. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it was quite small. I think it was like an uh, mm. it was manageable. Um, yeah. And again, the Candyman, that's a really fantastic song, mm. and Absolutely, it's and it's yeah. super catchy. You know, I, it, I think I like it more than Pure Imagination. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's just it. As as these songs were going though, you having not seen the film, Jason, were still humming along yeah, before yeah. like before you even knew the song to an extent because you already know it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like that Candyman and obviously, yeah, pure imagination. Bit, I mean, I wasn't going to be able to hum along to Veruca Salt, Salt's monologue. Oh, no, but, no, but... That, what a song. Yeah. <laughs> I want it all and I want it my way. It's me or the highway. It's just like, it's it, a great... It's just me when I'm hangry, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, um, it's just, it's just such a joyous film. It's mm. such a, a lovely, fun film. And... Uh, it it just sort of sticks with you. Yeah, I just... Sorry, I feel like it's just... It's permeated pop culture so much. Yeah. That you you don't really even realise the extent until you sit down and watch it Well, that's it. I just sat there going, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's what that's from. Like, I there's that meme. There's yeah, that there's meme. That yeah. meme. Like, you, oh, he's leaning on his arm, like, um, <laughs> and and pretending to be yeah. smug. It's oh, like, tell us more. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes, yeah. That that's been corrupted. Now. Yeah. Mm. The thing I found though, Carmen, watching this um, for the first time in a while, is how many little details that I'd forgotten. For example, the man with all the butcher's knives outside of <laughs> the factory, who just yeah. goes, "No one's been in there for the many years now, young boy." I'm just going to take my knife trolley away now. Yeah. And I, I thought he had like saucepans or something, but no, it's just a trolley of knives. And the know. best part is that they're very precarious. And as soon as he picks it up, moves it, hits a pothole, and they just go, whoosh, 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 like they just start <laughs> shaking like mad. I mean, you can see why I said this was sort of like the children's version of Wolf Creek or something like that. Mm. Yeah, because it, yeah, you guys mentioned that it was going to be scary, and I can see maybe where it is scary as mm. a kid. But so the scary bits for you, Carmen, um, what what were they? The scary bits for me were when Augustus Glute falls into the river. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then Wonka's freaking out and just, you know, losing losing his uh can I can I swear on the podcast? Or? Uh yes, I'll get my sensor yeah. button ready and go. So he's just doing the Nicolas Cage thing and losing his so that was the first bit where I would hide behind the couch. And then for some reason, the tunnel was fine. Like, I would always sit through and watch despite the tunnel. Despite the chicken dying. Yeah, and despite, despite the fact that Gene Wilder's just, like, again, just freaking out. But yeah. it's, it's okay. And mm. then the second bit where I get would get terrified would be where uh, she turns into the blueberry. Yeah, um, that, see, that, that one never set me off. Um, yeah. But I can see how it would set some people yeah. off. Mm. The, the one that always got me to me a little bit, even though I always knew it was going to be okay, was the fizzy lifting drinks. Oh, yeah. Because oh. I was like, imagining getting essentially chopped up by fan blades. Because the yeah. thing with that that particular bit is it's all, oh, it's light, it's lovely, it's light, they're flying, it's flying, death, death is coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what Nasty this film... big pointy blades. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the thing that this film does really well once you get to the chocolate factory. <laughs> the second half of this mm. film is all, look how pretty this is, chomp. Uh, it, it's It's... It, there, you never quite know what to trust. There is two, like this is kind of two films in a way. It mm. is like the first, more than half of about like you know setting up the world mm. in a way. Like mm. it's meant to be our world, but it 
clearly kind of isn't. Mm. It's a world which is obsessed yeah. with, with this mythical Wonka figure. Yeah. yeah, and they have those vignettes that they do, like almost these skits oh, of people coming just, up with, like, yeah. how would a really dumb, stupid world react yeah. to Willy Wonka doing this Just being thing. obsessed. Their yeah. ransom's coming through. It, they want your supply of Wonka bars. Yeah, but if or I for could... your husband. And she's like, how much time do I have to think about this? Yeah, just everyone in this world is just obsessed yeah. and unthinkingly, yeah. you know. The fact that the Queen it gets a name check at the auction for the last box. She gets a yeah. name check twice. Yeah, she at does, the end. Yeah. Like, yeah, I must goes, respond to the Queen. Yeah, I've got to respond to the Queen. Um, <laughs> but just going back to that um, chocolate, you know, the, the second part of the film just being all lighthearted and then, oh my God, suddenly death is coming. I feel like Gene Wilder himself does that very well. You know, he's mm. just very mild and sweet and gentle and soft-spoken and then suddenly mm. he turns around and he's, you know, screaming and... Um, you know, terrifyingly going off the rails and stuff. Which, I feel like it's that that was one of the big things that sort of scared me and fascinated me as a kid was mm. just that this mm. here was this very nice, very mysterious, gentle man who suddenly just went off the rails, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like he's, he's sort of the perfect encapsulation of that, that mm. second part of the film. I mean, he, he is wonderful. I mean, mm. you know, one, one of the reasons we decided to do this film is because it would have been his 85th birthday the week we're recording this. Yeah. And um, he's just a fantastic performer. But this this role is his most iconic, really. I mean, Bla- yeah. he's he's fantastic in Young Frankenstein. Mm. Blazing Saddles is an absolute who. Obviously, yeah. the producers, um, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, all these fantastic <laughs> mm. films that he did. But this is the one that I think is his big call. When, when he passed away... The, this Willy Wonka character was the one that was on all the newspapers, that was yeah, in all the newsreels, yeah. and it, they weren't they weren't showing. Yeah, he, he no evil, see no evil. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just, and I, I think it is just because he created a, an absolutely wonderful version of this character. That you're right, there is something about that character that just works so wonderfully. Um, it, it, he's sort of got this lovely, almost like kind of like. Um, underlying current of sassiness throughout everything yeah. that he does. Yeah, yeah, it's this level of. I think what his characterization, I think, has influenced a lot of those kind of characters ever since. Like the mm. biggest mm. influence you can kind of see is that basically every single Doctor Who has yeah. tried to be Willy Wonka, mm. aloof but with this level of darkness yeah. underneath. With yeah. Like trying to hide things and trying to be like that. Yeah, you could yeah. clearly see like Tom Baker going to a cinema in 1971 and going. Ah, yeah, I have an idea. I understand now. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's, like it's, it's David Tennant, Matt Smith, they all kind of copy mm. that to an extent. Mm. Yeah, mm. it's. I definitely see that. And sorry to interrupt. I was just saying it's interesting that the book version is really nothing like Gene Wilder's interpretation. Mm. Mm. And I think that's one of the big things Roald Dahl had uh, issues with with this adaptation mm. was that in the book uh, Willy Wonka's you know he's just very light on his feet and energetic and flighty and just he it's not so much that he's got this dark undercurrent he's just sort of like oh that bad thing happened to that child let's press on blah 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 mm. whereas this is kind of it's more childlike this Gene Wilder's more an adult's take yeah. on what that character mm. would be why that character yeah. would react like he does yeah yeah, yeah. he's well, got like this dark undercurrent of genius sort of yeah, yeah. like it's it's the, it's the good a, and the bad in a way he's like the baddie in saw he's setting up these like <laughs> chocolate based treats to like <laughs> capture people well, and he, that's the yeah. point yeah it is to prove who's his worthy heir yeah to yeah. prove who's his heir and it's mm. um I realise we're not really following the plot of this, but come on, everybody knows it. Even I knew it and I hadn't seen it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, yeah. 
it, I also, also feel like, speaking of the trap, like, it's interesting that they, um, even the end of it, like, how he wins, per se, is a bit like, okay, that's, um, like, it, I don't feel like it kind of proves his goodness, in a way. Hmm. Like, had he just taken the everlasting gobstopper and, you know, not given it to Slugworth. Slugworth, yeah. Slugworth, Slugworth yeah. yeah. Slugworth. Doesn't that kind of prove it as well, instead of having to literally give it back to him? Like, if he was like, oh, I'll just keep this and this gobstopper, I th- I'll, yeah. you know, I- it will give my grandparents something to do while they lie in bed really weirdly. I've just got this image of all four of them, like, sharing the gobstopper oh. between yep. them. And that's yep, number. that's exactly where I was going with that. They do yeah. that. Look, they, um, could, they could hose it down. <laughs> yeah, it's everlasting. It's, it's literally, even if they did do that, it would still be the least, un- the most hygienic thing they're probably doing. <laughs> But I think also it's hard to show that in a film. Yeah. Like, you you need to have that resolution. You need to have that. And also, like, Charlie is just, like, almost impossibly good as a character, you know. Mm. Lovely. He does g- steal the fizzy lifting drink. Yeah, but that's because his grandpa's there. Let's take a drink, it's Charlie. True. It, is, it is here, which we... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the Rick and Morty thing of, like, <laughs> come on, Morty, we've got to try this fizzy lifting drink. <laughs> Yeah, they would not be burping if it was Rick and Morty. I think Family Guy did do the farting one. They, they did, did. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, but yeah, so that's why, yeah, if it was Rick and Morty, you'd have to go. Yeah. One yeah. step above that, yeah. 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 Or indeed. A vomit or something. Oh, man, actually, that would be fun. You got to barf, Morty. <laughs> yeah, you got to barf to be, live. It would be disgusting like yeah. that. I don't yeah. want to barf, Morty. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Mm. Um. The kids, the yes. the the five, the the five kids. Obviously, we have Charlie, who's almost impossibly good and mm. lovely little blonde child, who's like, "Oh, mum, I, I found, I I got my paper money and I bought everyone bread and have what's left." Yeah. Um, and then you've got the other four kids who are just representations of obviously things that Roald Dahl had problems with. Um, yeah. You know, things like Augustus Gloop, this just gluttonous, constantly eating kid who I don't think was that bad. No, no, he yeah. was not. He was terrible. Not rude. He just. Was a bit of the pig. He just ate a lot. Yeah. Um. And he, he he wasn't. He was a bit rude, but he was more like com- certainly compared to the others. Compared to Violet Veruca yeah, yeah. and Mike TV. Yeah. It's an issue, but it's not a problem. Yeah. Um. Like, he's not being detrimental to, yeah. to society. Yeah. I mean, he's he's being detrimental to himself. Yes. Like yeah. you know. Um. But yeah, it's just one of those things where looking back on it, I was like. I'd, I'd hang out with Augustus. It probably yeah. wouldn't be great, but it'd be like... <laughs> if I, worse things. Yeah, take it to great restaurants. Like, if, oh, yeah. if you met him at uni, mm. he would be like, this place is great, this place is great, this place is <laughs> cheap and great. Yeah. And like, you know... Yeah, no, he'd be all right. Now, yeah. obviously, uh, Augustus Gloop uh, was German. Yeah. Uh, Jason, <laughs> you have German heritage. Yes. Uh, what did you think of the representation of uh, Germany in this film? <laughs> oh, to be fair, Western Germany. Western Germany. Western Germany. This is 1971, correct? Yes, it was. Um... It was definitely southern Germany. It was very Bavarian. Mm-hmm. Like, so everything about, like, the suits that he was wearing and stuff like that is very of the south, mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, it was good. They did the usual thing of every V, every W becomes a V mm-hmm. in things. Um, but it was fine enough. I don't think that if you were going to insult Germans, you wouldn't make the kid fat. You'd make him, like, authoritarian or something like that in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I don't know if you could get away with that in the... In a Children's kid's movie, yeah. Uh, they got away with a lot of you... stuff in this film. Yeah, yeah they do. I mean... Actually, yeah, just thinking about the plot line of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as well. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And specifically, just thinking about Slugworth. Slugworth, I was not comfortable with Slugworth touching those children. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. And the kids just go quiet. Yeah. Like, literally, like, you know, when you pick up a kitten and, like, by the scruff of the neck, it's, or the mother does, and yeah. it just goes, root, and stops. 
the yeah. kids were all doing that. He'd like reach, and most of the times he was behind them. Mm. And, and I know, like, I know it's a deliberate thing, and like he's yeah. got a big scar, and he's meant to look evil. And it's building into that, but just watching that in obviously the light of things <laughs> like forty five years on or so, yeah. you just kind of like. Uh, uh, not a fan yeah no exactly (laughs) even when he comes up to charlie and he just comes up and talks to charlie yeah they do a really awesome thing where it's what happens in a lot of films is they essentially put the camera right in front of the guy Mm. but and you see in some films to show a bit of like a weird disconnect Mm. um they use it a lot in like moulin rouge where characters will be talking to each other instead of doing over the shoulder Mm. It's directly in front, so that it's like they're looking into the other person's eyes. So, like, like a peep show. Yeah, yeah, peep yeah. show. Except yeah. he isn't looking right at the eyes; he's looking just down. Mm. So it almost looks like he's looking at their mouth or like something else. So yeah. it's even creepier with yeah. the eye yeah. contact. And he still manages to put both his hands on Charlie's shoulders in that tunnel, going, <laughs> "You know, be a good boy and bring me a gobstopper." That kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. and it's just like, Ugh. it's Ugh. yeah, it's oh, pretty it's disturbing. Horrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so Augustus and indeed German representation of this film, not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, not great, but not well, bad. We, 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 I think we all like Augustus. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he inspired, um, was it Gunther in The Simpsons? You know? uh, Uta. Unter, yeah. Uter, yeah. Oh. Uter. Don't, don't make me run, I'm full <laughs> of chocolate. chocolate. I think it's very I begged you to let me go first. <laughs> I begged you. <laughs> um, what about Violet Beauregard? I also like how in The Simpsons oh, also, Uta does literally die at one point. Yeah. Like there's a joke that they have about, you know, him not making it onto the bus when everybody's chasing him. And he just stops appearing in episodes. That's they true. They actually call it out later and it was an accident, I think. But they're like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe maybe it's the first bit of permanence that The Simpsons has had is oh, the character that this guy dies. Wow. Yeah. Poor Uta. Yeah. What about Violet Beauregard? Violet? Yeah. What do we think of Violet? I, I don't think her vice was that bad. I, I what feel was her like her again because I, I get violent. Chewing, and... she was chewing a, she, gum. Well, she was rude. She she picked her nose. She didn't oh, have yeah. manners. That was what yeah. it was. Oh, she was because okay. it was just yeah. chewing, really. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it was more just like bad habits. So like she chewed a gum. She was a bit like rude on the camera and like interrupting people. She was pick, like she she's does that bragging. thing where she's yeah she brags. She's got her finger up her nose and she's saying to Mister Wonka like spitting's an awful habit. And he's like I can think of one that's worse. That kind of thing. <laughs> um, and. He tells her not to eat the gum that's a three-course meal, and she does. So, mm. and mm. the, the umpa lumpers in there, you know, morality song. Basically, mention <laughs> they mention manners, basically yeah. saying that, like, you know, that was her sin, essentially. Because yeah. I think it's easy to like conflate Veruca and uh, Violet, Violet. Yeah. together yeah. in a way because they are both mm. rude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's, it's different, different types, different but, types of rude, yeah. but even the same type of rude. It's. Not well. I mean, all of them are not listening, mm. as kind of the point. Yeah. But my mother, uh, her name is Violet, and she grew up in the seventies in the UK, oh, yeah. and so would quite often hear the line "Violet, you're turning Violet, Violet," uh, being said at her, um, and that's why she's not necessarily a massive fan of of that character, or indeed, uh, she doesn't mind the film. But yeah, she. She had a, the unusual problem of sharing a name because they have quite unusual names, with the exception of like Charlie and Mike and I guess Joe. Yeah, you've got yeah. Veruca, you've got Augustus, well, even even Mike and Charlie and Joe. Their last names are Bucket mm, and TV. Mm. Yeah, and TV. Yeah, like, you know, and Bucket was before Keeping Up Appearances tried to fix that problem. So it could have been Bouquet. Bouquet, yeah, <laughs> yes. Charlie, Charlie Bouquet. Bouquet. <laughs> um, yeah, but so you have her, you have her car salesman um, father, father um, who was pretty great, but I'm pretty sure it would have been played by Harry Shearer had they made it like 20 years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Or um, um, 
Phil Hartman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh man. Yeah, Phil Hartman, just, he, just with that voice. Yeah. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, but yeah, it was good. It was yeah, it was good. And then of course we get Veruca Salt. Salt, yes. Veruca Salt, who's just I think is a fantastic character because of how much I despise her. Mm. Mm. Um, because she's bratty, she yeah. wants it all. She's loud. She's brash. She's northern. She's she's northern, although not <laughs> as northern as her dad. No, no, played her by, father's quite much more northern. Yeah, played yeah. by uh, the official most northern northerner that ever northern. Uh, Roy <laughs> Kinnear becoming yeah. Scottish. Yeah, I, but, I yeah, like true. Tom. Not too north. <laughs> you never go full north. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, he um, yeah, and it was it was a really wonderful combination of of those two performers. Mm. Um, she's such a great child actor. Yeah, I think she's probably the strongest. Yeah, I agree. This film. That being said, though, she does have a lot to work with. Yeah, she's got um, the most. Like, if mm. you ask me, it's like, how many people go in? I'm like, two? Like, Charlie and Veruca? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. all I could remember. Yeah. Really. Um, I guess there's, um, with that, there's this level of kind of, I guess, I guess they're, the, they're the most opposite of the two. Yeah. Like, Charlie yeah. to Veruca yeah. is quite... Like, yeah, it's the opposite. It's the kid who has nothing and the kid who has everything. So mm. I think the real rival of it, which is kind of surprising that it's, she's not the second last to go. Mm. Mm. Like, you would have thought that maybe it would have been better if it was Veruca and Charlie at the end. Rather yeah. Than for the Charlie and Mike. I suppose. But I, I think, at least from my memory of the original book, it's more... The, the the all the children sort of have equal billing in the book. Mm. Whereas, obviously, in this film, we remember the performance of... Veruca because it was a strong performance and also the, the great interactions with um, Mr. Salt who's just kind of like oh yes dear we'll get we'll get your golden oh, goose we'll get you that goose there <laughs> how much is it yep let's yeah. go and yeah it's it's I think it's partly because those performances are so strong and yeah. she is so vocal and also like the 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 red dress that she's wearing yeah. looks quite bright in a lot of the scenes mm. um, but they're fantastic characters I think you yeah. also hate her bloody guts as well because yeah. you sit there just going I know people like you and it just gets you cross yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's very that's true that's the point <laughs> oh, yeah. in fact the, the, the actress that, that played her uh, Julie Cole said that she based it on girls she knew from school yeah um, yeah she she was not a fan of certain girls that she went to school with <laughs> so she was acting like them oh that's Which, yeah apparently it, she's also the only child actor still acting she is, is. That correct? she's oh, the yeah. only one of the five that's still a working actor Oh, there you go. I was going to ask that about where the kind of five went. Well, this yeah. was the only film that um, Peter Ostrom did, who oh, plays okay. Charlie. Because mm. uh, they did say, and introducing Peter yeah. Ostrom. Yeah. He, yeah and he, saying goodbye to Peter Yeah, Ostrom. basically, yeah. He, 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 he worked in a different field. I think he became a veterinarian. Uh, oh. something I can't remember if it was a veterinarian or someone else became an osteopath. Maybe yeah. that was um, Mark Lester from Oliver. But mm. yeah, um, Peter Ostrom, he had a five-picture contract that he was offered after this and turned it down. Because he didn't want to be an actor. Yeah. Okay. Like, he yeah, enjoyed the experience. Yeah, right, I think he became a vet, yeah. Yeah, he enjoyed the experience, but he was just like, no, he basically was Charlie Bucket. He yeah. went, no, <laughs> it's I'm not good. for me. I'm, I'm yeah. good. I don't need fame. Uh, yeah. Do you uh, like um, yeah. the kid who, well, kid, who was still, I think he was 15 when it started, but the guy who plays Joffrey mm. as yeah. well. I mean, he kind of did the same thing. He's kind of stopped making movies. Mm. And also he's very much like Veruca Solid in terms of everybody gets to like, yeah. Yeah. it's a punching bag. I'm now just imagining those two switch. <laughs> Daddy, I want Ned Stark's head on a pike. <laughs> I want his head now. Well, they all got it, didn't they? <laughs> 
Oh, I'm spoiling Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> that's that one's seven years old. I think yeah. you're fine at this point. Sean Bean died. Big whoop. Um, <laughs> if somebody hasn't worked out why Sean Bean has stopped appearing in every mm. single other yeah. promotional material since 2011, maybe he got shy. Yeah. <laughs> no. Shy Bean. Just going going on the topic of like deaths in cinema, Jace. Do you yeah. think um, what do you think happened to the kids at the end? Oh, I've never paid. We we don't get resolution. No, we don't get resolution. Well, that was so it, it kind of cuts off halfway mm. through. It's like, oh my god, we're going to crash and get cut by glass. No, we don't. Oh, we didn't. Ta da! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Credits. Yeah. yeah. Because um, in the book, you know, as they're flying out of the the factory, you see the other kids. I like, guess walking they get out of the factory. The Oompa restore them. Well, that's <laughs> something that we see in the remake in the yes. 2005 film yeah, because they yeah. like because um, Mike TV's all big and long and stretchy he looks like uh, the English footballer Peter Crouch he's just all <laughs> limbs having been stretched in the taffy machine mm-hmm. and you see like Augustus is just soaking wet in like chocolate and um, I'm not sure what the other obviously uh, Violet, th- Violet's got the purple face yeah she's still got purple skin and but she's yes yeah, it's like oh that'll fix mm. up in a couple of months and yeah. I can't remember and what Veruca she's just like. covered in garbage basically yeah yeah yeah, makes sense but yeah so you do actually the, the book and the other adaption do offer resolution yeah. in that sense I don't think you need resolution you just assume yeah yeah. like you can assume yeah. everything's fine you're here for Charlie you're here for Wonka yeah you're sort of accepting Grandpa Joe yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he's, he can come too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's kind of there. I felt like, um, yeah, I didn't. He was, yeah, he was just kind of there in a lot of ways. I think there was a little, there was a lot of emotion. He helped. I think he especially kind of helped the kind of feeling of like Charlie's righteousness mm. in a way, like that Charlie kind of deserves this because he's had such a horrible time. Yeah, yeah. And Uncle Joe's an interesting character because as much Grandpa as we Joe. say, um, oh, sorry, Grandpa Joe. Yeah, yeah. Who's Uncle Joe? Or is that Cotton Eye Joe? Don't know. I don't know who I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's been a long time ago. Uh, uh, Grandpa Joe, though he um, he's he's interesting because he's obviously like he, he's quite a good grandpa character in that he's obviously very flawed mm-hmm. in the way that I think a lot of grandfather characters tend to be represented in in uh, our films and in our TV. Like um, I guess a bit like. Just just because I was thinking of it recently, Peter Boyle in um, Everybody Loves Raymond as oh, yeah. as oh, the father yeah, yeah. or the grandfather figure, Frank, where it's kind of like you are not a great human being, or you're kind of like you're, you're <laughs> but you're funny and you sort of do things that old crappy men do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Grandpa Joe's like the really twee version of that, where he's like, oh, I have, I'm going to have to give up tobacco, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which I guess at that point it's like, oh, why would he want to give up tobacco? It's great. Yeah, yeah. it's so delicious. I, yeah. I never actually noticed that at the end in Gene Wilder's office, you see him smoking a cigar. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. never realised that. It's Yeah, I don't think yeah. I had either. It, I but, think probably because the versions you guys mentioned that, that were, you know, VHS copies from a TV show. Mm. Like, there's the a TV, couple of points yeah. would come would just yell, ad break! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. that's where the ad break would have been because that's kind of what you get used to. And we yeah. might just not have seen that on the picture resolution. Exactly, because yeah. it would have been so low and so small because yeah. that's what VCRs and VHSs were. Yeah, yeah. and again, I'm um, sorry to bring back Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, but um, <laughs> when I first got, got that on DVD, it was in widescreen. Mm. There was all this stuff on the widescreen that was cut out of the original mm. VHS and some of it actually makes a lot more sense. Mm. I'll, I'll, yeah, it's... Uh, if we ever watch it again, Jace, I'll, I'll point it out. But uh, okay, in twenty years or so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we haven't touched on Mike TV yet. Yeah, mm. Mike. I, you can see that people in the sixties would have been having problems with kids being like Mike TV. Mm. Yeah, like we would never like when he was dressed as a cowboy. I remember thinking, "Oh, why is he dressed like a cowboy?" 
like that's it's quite odd but then you remember that like gun smoke yeah. and um you know those kind of feel well tv shows yeah. F Troop, and, and um, cinema as well like yeah. cinema at the time was john wayne was still at the height of his power power yeah. um so, you know cowboy films had only really stopped being popular i guess like around the time this film was made because it was really because yeah. the 60s you, you particularly the late 60s you still had the spaghetti westerns with clint eastwood yeah, yeah. like they, they hadn't really declined yet yeah they always say that the ending of it was like 92 which was i think Unforgiven. Unforgiven, yeah, yeah. That was the last, like, nominated one. And then there's nothing... Well, there's, like, Shanghai Noon, but we really can't call that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that... You, you, get, you get past yeah. issues. You get Back to the Future Part 3. Yeah. Uh, you get things like... There's still some good ones which have come out recently, yeah. like... Okay, not recently, but 310 to Yuma. Three, I was about to say 310 yeah, to Yuma. Is, is a good cowboy film, but they're more like, oh, they've made a cowboy film, as opposed to, not another cowboy, cowboy film. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're the Marvel films of the 20th century cowboy They were, cowboy yeah. Films. And for 50 years, yeah. it's kind of that's what you made. You made mm-hmm. Westerns because mm-hmm. everything is being shot in California and you're either in California or you're in the desert. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, well, cool, we've got two choices. Yeah. And yeah. Mike TV taking on that characteristic makes sense. And the fact he had the gun and was always like shooting yeah. it at people. Oh, do you want to mention the gun bit? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Slugworth's uh, best, best moment yeah. where <laughs> he's there as a report with a microphone and keeping his mic to Mike TV's face and then Mike goes to fire his cap gun and he moves the microphone to, to get the, the cap, cap gun. Like, the cap yeah. gun's going to have something yeah. important to say. <laughs> also, when he's flicking between the reporter asking questions, yeah. he's being very serious, but his hand is kind of loop-de-loop, mm. loop-de-loop, loop-de-loop, yeah. like throwing it around. Look, he's a creep, but he's also a professional. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to admire that. He even, like, there's something like, when you actually see him at the end, when he introduces, when Wonka introduces, what was his name, Morgan? Wilkinson. Wilkinson, Wilkinson yeah. yeah. Um, and says, oh, there he is. He's literally, nothing's changed about it. Yeah. He's still looking creepy, but you feel a bit better about him. Mm. You're like, yeah. oh, you. And yeah. you yeah. still just be like, yes, me. But <laughs> yeah, I think there was supposed to be more about like Wonka explaining, oh yeah, you know, I did hire him and stuff. But then that raises the whole issue of... How does Grandpa Joe know about him? Well, Well, Slugworth's that. a real person in the world because in the books there was uh there was slugworth and i forget the other one it was something like finkelberger yeah they were they were rival chocolate makers and finkelgrabber yeah Yeah. i think it was that and so you had um this would have been essentially this would have been like steve jobs getting somebody to dress up as bill gates Gates. (laughs) to to try and entice young tech people to the rival factory uh Yeah. yeah. yeah But I, me, <laughs> I guess it raises the question of, like, how did he know who the winners were going to be? Because mm, he was always there. Yeah. Well, he was probably the one who always put the um, the golden ticket chocolate bars in the places. Yeah, it's, mm, it's probably mm. felt like maybe this is kind of fitting it into the kind of generalised story of putting what you think. But there probably was only five and Slugworth. Mm-hmm. Would have yep. only had, um, would have had them, <clears throat> and every now and then he would have been like, "All right, we'll put that one there. Just gonna leave it there and yeah. see what happens." If yeah. that's the case, though, mm. and he knows that it's likely that Augustus will get this one and Veruca will get that one, why did he give four of the five tickets to Two people bastards. who, yeah, to people that Willy Wonka <laughs> would just be like, "No, no. he's given him no choice." <laughs> maybe, to be honest, maybe he, that's it. Maybe, yeah, maybe he is Slugworth, and maybe he, he's the dad. Yeah. Possibly. Oh. Creepy, creepy Slugworth. Is yeah. Because that was one of the things I got confused with because... There was no dad for... In, no, no Char- dad. There was no dad for Charlie Bucket. There yeah, was, yeah. Because yeah. the dad is... The dad and the mum are quite important in... You mentioned the book and mm. I was thinking the Burton show as well. Mm. There's no father because the father's played by Noah Taylor is one of my favourite actors. 
um, when I don't get them confused with Ben Mendelsohn. Um, <laughs> they <laughs> they look do very, look similar. Yeah. Yeah. I've not and thought ben of that. Ben Mendelsohn's an Australian who did a lot of Australian films and then went to England. And mm-hmm. Noah Taylor's an English actor who did a lot of English films and then went to Australia. <laughs> so every now and then I'm like, which was he in Cozzy? No, that was Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> all right, cool. Ben Mendelsohn's done all the big films mm-hmm. now. Um, but yeah, no, so that's my theory is that... It's it was, the father. Yeah, it's the father. I just think that it's Slugworth disguised as Wilkinson, disguised as Slugworth, and he's... Slug- he's still actually Slugworth, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going to get you the worst children. I'm going to get you... <laughs> you'll pick the poor one who has no idea how to work a factory. <laughs> <laughs> His parents will be just floating in chocolate. Yes. Pretty much. Um, it'll be like Millhouse's parents after they win all that money, just in jacuzzi suits. <laughs> yeah, right. filled jacuzzi with jacuzzi suit. <laughs> um, the, the various contraptions that, that Willy Wonka had, though, like, mm. the, like the, 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 the boat. The, um, oh, the boat of nightmare. Yeah, the boat of nightmares. <laughs> um, the Wonkatania. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, you have the, which, naming a boat after the Lusitania sort of isn't a great idea. Yeah. Um, we're, we're like it wasn't called the Wonktanic or something. The Wonktanic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Wonka Vision, the Wonka Mobile. Um, yeah. Obviously, a lot of them didn't work. The Wonka work. Vader? Yeah, the Wonka Vader. Obviously, a lot of them didn't work. But, gee, they, they got branding down pretty well. They did. Considering, like, obviously at the time... And that's the thing I think about this film as well, is, like, obviously I wasn't around in 1971, but mm. you, you see uh, things from that time period and films and television shows made about that time period. Mm. And particularly in places like... Um, like Europe and like a lot of America, it wasn't a great place to live. Yeah. And so having this film with this sort of vibrant, imaginative, colourful... Um, right. w- yeah, yeah, this, this yeah, with these massive contraptions and things like that, it does feel as though the film is slightly ahead of its time, particularly with the way Wonka branded himself. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like putting like Wonka in front point. of things is like putting I in front of everything that Apple did for a yeah. while. Mm. In, a, in a way, it's almost more like a like a slightly twisted Walt Disney, who obviously yeah. existed at the time and had his name on the business, but it wasn't like, um, you know, the, the, not all the Disney cartoons. It's not like Disney Duck or Disney Mouse. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Wonka just went full out. Yeah, <laughs> well, if you I, have a name like Wonka, I, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, exactly. And... I mean, even the film is meant to be called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but it's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Mm. because it was the people in charge of it were aware of branding because they wanted Mm. to start selling. This is probably a fact that I'm ripping from later. Yes, it is. Yes. But they did. One of the things I did know is it's called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So people would start association Wonka bars with the film. Mm. And so they could actually sell Wonka bars Um, because Wonka was meant to be its own company, but we'll get into that later. Well, we can no, get into that right, right now. now yeah. We can get into it now, because I think this is a good time as any to get into the uh, Wonka trivia section mm-hmm. of this uh, Wonka cast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was um, just going back to that point about the, the Wonka bars. So, yeah, they, they made this chocolate bar, they made this brand, and they got the recipe wrong uh, for the chocolate, and it started melting in people's hands <laughs> and on the shelves. And they were oh. like, well, we can't really, you know, everyone associates us with the terrible chocolate that melts everywhere. <laughs> so we're going to sell this off. And I think um, it ended up eventually being sold to Nestle. Mm. And Nestle didn't do anything with the chocolate side of things, but then put the Wonka label on candies. So that's why yeah, we on have certain candies. Nerds, Nerds and uh, which is I'm one sure of my favorite candies ever. Um, yeah. It's... I love Nerds. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, they, they were always Wonka nerds yeah. as well. Yeah. And there was, correct me if I'm wrong, and Australian listeners will, but they had 
ads for Wonka, certain Wonka candies, and they had the very caricaturized. Yeah, they had like a cartoon version of Gene Wilder's Wonka, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I always wondered how they could actually get away with that, not realizing how copyright worked yeah, they're, when they're, I was <laughs> ten. You know, they're literally getting away with it because it was always the plan. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, the other thing I did want to talk about briefly is um, just how the book portrays uh, how the book portrays the Oompa Loompas like in its original yes. version versus how they're portrayed on here. Well, we haven't really touched on the Oompa Loompas. No, we should yeah. talk about yeah. the Oompa Loompas before. They are, they are one of, again, an iconic image from this film. Arguably, obviously, there's, there's a long uh, and troubled history of uh, having people with shorter stature in films. Mm. Yes. I would argue, though, that this is maybe the most iconic use of multiple actors like that since The Wizard of Oz. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I agree. And yeah. I don't think there's been anything since this film that... Like, Willow obviously hired a lot of actors yeah. of short stature and things of that nature. What Star about... Wars uses them, but I don't yeah, think there Star are any Wars... films that have them as iconic a character as the Umpa Lumpers. I think mm. not as... Probably not as iconic or as positive as mm. well. Like, the Oompa Loompas are kind of... They're the moral compasses They're moral the compasses, yeah. 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 They come yeah. along and say, you know, in a lot more words than, yeah. you know, you done messed up, boy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> be like us. <laughs> yeah, be like us and, you yeah. know, don't chew with your mouth open. Yeah. Mm. But obviously in the original books, uh, Roald Dahl being uh, being, Danish, Roald Dahl. <laughs> being Roald Dahl, being, you know, like a a person born the time period he was in, you know, an area of the world where there, was a, where there was a lot of white people <laughs> and they're moving to England, which, you know, we know this place voted for Brexit. So, you know, it's not exactly <laughs> the most tolerant of places. Um, yeah, yeah, Roald Dahl the, couldn't get in anymore. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, he'd be fuming. Mm. Uh, or going right on. Uh, but yeah, Roald Dahl... Um, yeah, his original portrayal of the Oompa Lumpers, it's, it's not what it is in this film, is it, it Carmen? It's very colonialist. Um, mm, so, mm. yeah, they, they have dark skin and they wear grass skirts and, uh, yeah, just about every uh, negative uh, patronising, you know, portrayal of African people Which that you is can interesting think of. Yeah. Even the word Oompa Loompa, like, to us now, and probably because of this, we associate it with like sweets and stuff like that. And orange but you skin could, and green hair. Right? Yeah, yeah, and that kind of stuff. You could almost imagine it more being like oogie boogie or something like that. Well, like yeah. typical yeah. kind of scary yeah. voodoo word. Or yeah. indeed, gollywog. Yes. yes. Which which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is the, is the name given to uh, dolls that used to be made mm. of these characters who uh, had, I, I suppose, what you'd consider um st- Stereotyp- negatively stereotypical traits of um, African of, of African people. So it was uh, very black skin, like like black as coal skin, mm. big red lips, um, and frizzy hair. And yeah. these gollywog dolls were. As a child, I remember them as like advertising marmalade. So like this was mm. still something that was going in the nineties yeah. in yeah, the UK, yeah. but has now thankfully sort Stopped. of gone yeah. away. But it's it's weird because like I speak to people who were like born in the sixties who had gollywog dolls as kids and they obviously didn't have the connotation of going, yeah. oh this is super racist. Yeah. They just always see them and they go, Oh, they were kind of cute. And it's it's interesting that yeah, you're right, the language that you know, the fact it's oompa lumpa and the fact it, it, it does feel as though it fits into that that time period of taking essentially the the words from this culture and making them sound more nonsensical uh to yeah. to english speaking uh people yeah like you could come up with words in for other languages or other cultures that would kind of be like that but oompa loompa has now become more associated with sweets in a way mm. because yeah. they obviously got rid of that and turned them into 
hmm. you know, had them wearing overall, like, yeah, yeah. white overalls? White overalls with the, yeah, with the, Green like, shirts or... kind of oh, like a, remember. almost like a maroon, maroon like dark, yeah. but almost Sorry, they brown. green hair. Yeah. 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 Actually, one of the best bits is when they're in the TV room, all the Oompa Loompas have everything and, and then just the curl of their hair mm. yeah. still comes out and like sticks to the front. Yeah. Uh, I, I never actually noticed, but because um, I always wondered how they stop the paint of their body paint getting on the clothes. And they've obviously cheated a little bit because they're all wearing orange gloves. Um, if you look really closely, you can see that. I guess the face paint's still there. but Yeah, yeah face yeah. paint and then the white eyebrows mm. and the yeah. green. Mm. Yeah. Very clever. Mm. So uh, some more bits of trivia. Yes. Um, the reactions of the actors and actresses in some scenes are spontaneous. Now, we've discussed this before in we films. We have, yes. About what we're not... Well, at least I know for a fact you're not necessarily a big fan of it. <laughs> not uh, depending not on, hugely, no. no. Um, so, for example, when the children first enter the chocolate room and see the candy gardens, their reaction was real. That was the first time they'd seen the set. Now, I think that's a good positive use of that sort of thing. When it's something that's pleasant... Yeah. yeah, yeah. When yeah. it's like, oh wow, this set looks amazing, as opposed to something jumping out of John Hurt's chest, or yeah, P- provided yeah. they're not like Jason's reaction, yeah, where you want, you want to, <laughs> to light and wonder, and you end up going, oh, yeah, I'm gonna get food poisoning somewhere here. Yeah. Yeah. Julie Cole, who played Veruca, was fooled by uh, Gene Wilder's limp. She mentioned in DVD commentary that she thought Gene Wilder had injured his leg for real, um, and that filming would have to be halted. Uh, this resulted in her being stunned when he did the somersault. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, and that somersault's great. It That's is. so good, yeah. 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 He holds the fall for quite a while. Mm. So. And then just, yeah, wonderful. Then pulls that, it in, yeah. Yeah. That's why you get Gene Wilder, folks. Um, <laughs> the Wonkatania was on a track in the Chocolate River, but the actor playing the Umpa Lumpa at the helm thought he was actually steering it. Um <laughs> For the sake of believability, the director, Mel Stewart, didn't tell him the truth. <laughs> it sounds a lot like you on the uh, Mr. Yeah. Toad's Wild Ride. When I was seven in Disney World, um, we went on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, which was one where you had a little steering wheel at the oh, front. Yeah. And my dad and my uncle were in the back and I was in the front. And things come at you and move. And they're like, quick, Jace, watch out for that. And I'm panicking. Staring <laughs> 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 everywhere, just... <laughs> Just this is a bit where a train comes at you and like, you know, you're meant to, you go up to it and then you turn. Mm. And I'm just sitting there, it's not turning. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well, um, well, don't worry. It happens to Umpa Lumpa's as well. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Um, after reading the script, Gene Wilder said that he would take the role of Willy Wonka under one condition, that he be allowed to do the limp and fall. Um, when director Milstreet asked why, uh, Wilder replied by saying that having one could do this meant that from time to time, no one will know if I'm lying or telling the truth. And he would refuse to do the picture unless they let him do that. And I think it's, it's a really important trait for this version of Wonka. Yeah. Because he is quite mysterious. Yeah, yeah. Like you compare that to the opening of the other Tim, the Tim Burton one Mm. as well, where they do the whole big show to celebrate him being there and then he's just in the audience next to him, like, mm. giggling and laughing. Yeah. Which is probably more authentic to what the original to, Willy Wonka yeah. was. Yeah. And even though lots of people are kind of like, oh, Johnny Depp, it's not a great performance, I think it's just because our expectations of who Wonka should be is often more shaped by this film version than the book. Than the book. Absolutely, well, yeah. Would you say in the book, though, because... Well, in the book, is he very childish, Wonka? Okay, I think the, I mean, well, I'm going to jump ahead a few trivia points here to one mm. of my favourite ones, but the original choice for Willy Wonka in this film mm. was Joel Grey. And oh, I think yes. that's the best way you can, like, mm. the book version basically is Joel Grey. Joel yeah. Grey. From um, Cabaret. From Cabaret, yeah. yeah. And uh, Spike Milligan uh, was the choice 
Roald Dahl said he would have, if he could have picked it, he would have picked Spike Milligan, mm. um, who um, was an extremely funny comedian, uh, very yeah. sort of very silly, could do innocent. Yeah, you know, he was one of the goon <laughs> show members. Yeah, um, was the BFG based on? Am I making that up? Uh, I don't think I, so. No, I don't think so. Okay, um, yeah. But but yeah, Spike Milligan was Roald Dahl, like when they were making the film. Roald Dahl's like this guy, and they're like no, because <laughs> which is a shame because Spike Milligan is just wonderful mm. uh, but wouldn't have been right for this version maybe yeah. not yeah. yeah or we would not have who knows it might have been less popular it would have, it would have been insane that's the yeah. main thing oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh lick this wallpaper <laughs> <laughs> he'd be doing the grandpa joe licking <laughs> oh i thought yeah. we'd miss that one yeah you weren't a fan of how uh, of how uh, grandpa joe was licking that wallpaper he was um mm. yeah he, he mm. was as Rapid adult. and uh, minimal. You can see why Grandma Joanna stayed in that bed. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh God, Stephen. Oh. <laughs> um, speaking of the grandparents, uh, Ernst Ziegler, who played Grandpa George, was nearly blind uh, from poison gas in World War One. Um, so he was instructed to look for a red light to guide him when his character was meant to be looking in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was just a guy that was sat there. He was okay. just like, can't see anything. It's just because I felt like the other, like, the... Two grandparents, like Joe and his wife, mm. were there. And the other two I found even creepier because they were really just did nothing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't really have a lot to do. I mean, the no. other three just stay in bed. He also, um, Ernst, he had a pair of shoes with him um, mm. that were under the bed. And he refused to let them be taken away from the scene because they were the only possession he still had from before the Second World War. Okay. And they were just his shoes, and so he'd take them off to get into the bed for the acting. And they were like, "Can we?" They were going to move them, and he was like, "No, you can't take them away because yeah. they were super important to him. They're the only thing that had survived the Second World oh, War." Okay, because do yeah. don't you see them you, at one point when yeah. he looks under the bed? Yeah, they're his actual shoes. Shoes, because yeah, why would there be shoes of these people who've not moved from the bed for twenty yeah. years? Yeah, like but, the shoes should be full of cobwebs. But yeah, no, uh, Ernst was just like, "Nope, you can't take them. This this is all I've got left." Yeah, uh, from. There's some really sad, um, mm. you know, remnants of the war that kind of over overshadow this film. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the the Western Germany thing as well. But um, it's also um, we should probably mention it was filmed in Germany. Yeah, it was filmed in Germany because it was yeah. cheaper. Um, yes. Yeah, a lot of the Impalumpas they hired were German, but they had a lot of trouble finding little people in Germany after the war because of the Holocaust. Mm. Which yeah, is just heartbreaking. It were, they, yeah, they were considered a um, burden to yeah. society. Yeah, yeah. so Sorry. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, fun facts, please. Yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, um, about, sorry to bring it down. Um, Gene Wilder's acting during the boat ride sequence was so convincing that it frightened some of the other actors, including uh, Denise, uh, Denise Nickerson, who played Violet. She thought that Gene Wilder had actually gone mad from being in the tunnel too long. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you're working with children, you know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's interesting they'd make this assumption. Also, apparently, uh, Denise, just for a bit of uh, set goss, yeah. uh, Denise quite fancied um, the quite fancy Peter who's playing Charlie. Oh, okay. And obviously she has to pick her nose and she didn't want to do it. Cause <laughs> in she, front of him. In front of him, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, that's really cute. Yeah. Aww. Um, I like the fact that they're kind of all, like they all still get together for like the, the anniversaries of this film. Yeah. And, like, a bit like the kids from The Sound of Music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've got, um, like I think it's the 30th or the 40th anniversary, um, they did mm. the DVD commentary, the yeah. five of them. And obviously told their experiences as kids getting to work on this film. Yeah. And it's just really nice yeah. that they're kind of all friends. It, yeah, it's a really lovely commentary if you ever get the time yeah. to listen to it. It's, mm. it's, very, it's very genuine and they still have this kind of uh, friendship and this connection that mm. you can feel after, what, 40 mm. years or... 
Yeah, mm. and and part, yeah. Um, not only that, Peter Ostrom, uh, who's Charlie, became good friends with Gene Wilder because they oh. obviously spent long a long time in this film, um, and it was when uh, again one of those things where they do something that takes an actor by surprise when they'd rehearsed the you get nothing good day sir bit <laughs> um gene wilder had always done it quite morose and disappointed not mm. shouty and then he obviously does it shouty in the scene and the director wouldn't essentially gene was like i want to do this but then he realized this might scare peter mm. and the director said no you this is what you wanted to do you have to do it, do it like mm. this and so you roll man Pretty you much, gotta, yeah. You gotta do what we do now. Yeah, it was, and but the, you know they became really good friends. Like apparently, towards the end of filming, it was just those two and um, mm. and yeah, Grandpa, Grandpa Joe. Joe. Grandpa so, Joe being in the background. Yeah, probably just smoking a cigarette behind the, <laughs> behind the trailers. Um, but they would have lunch together, stealing fizzy lifty drinks. Yeah, Gene and Peter would be having uh, lunch together, mm. and they'd always finish lunch by having a chocolate bar because they're like, oh, we're, right. we're on this film, we have to yeah. do we it. We've got to have chocolate bars. Yeah, and they, yeah, it's just really nice. It, it obviously looks like they all had a really nice time mm. making this. Um, mm. Uh, on his social media stuff, when Gene Wilder died, he changed his um, his his bio to be former child actor, um, veterinarian, uh, inherited a chocolate factory on 29th of August oh. 2016, or whenever oh, yeah. Uzi Google died. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, they're all too nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would be interesting in in the spirit of all the reboots to have uh, like another Charlie in the Chocolate Factory where you have like Peter Ostrom. Well, oh, okay. Well, this this is something I've heard about. They mm. they want to do another film about Willy Wonka, yeah, but a prequel about his time rescuing the Umpalumpers, okay, and okay. and battling vicious kids. They, they have scenes yeah. from that in the Tim Burton one as yeah. well. Yeah, they're essentially taking that idea and building it more. Okay, uh, yeah, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, they 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 had a, a suggestion of like different actors who could play a modern like in, in that today. That was a question I was going to ask yeah. us all to try and brainstorm. Yeah, I who have... could play. We you came up with a good one during. I it. did say that there were some major Jeff Goldblum vibes coming off yeah. Willy Wonka, but yeah, and then you mentioned yeah. Thor Ragnarok, which is basically a remake <laughs> of this film anyway. <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, yeah. the Jeff Goldblum yeah. bits. Yeah. You know, blonde protagonist Jeff yeah. Goldblum being creepy tunnel sequence that makes you all trippy i'm pretty sure the tunnel sequence even has pure imagination as a few bars on yeah them, like really? when they're like you're about to meet the grandmaster one of the actors they were discussing but i think it's arguably just because this is someone who's very interesting right now is donald glover oh okay yeah. you could see it yeah you could yeah. yeah you could and he does he does morose he does morose and intelligent in a very different way if you've ever watched mm. bits of like atlanta or other mm. things that he's done um he like, would be a bit more of a kind of more depressed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, I don't know if they really need more we, we don't. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory really. films. We've got two to pick from. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and we're all going to watch this one. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically how it works. Um, the Chocolate River was made from 150,000 gallons of water, real chocolate and cream. Ooh. Uh, but because the cream began to spoil, it smelled terrible by the end of filming. See, I told you it was disgusting, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah I didn't, I didn't <laughs> contradict you. Mm. <laughs> uh, during, okay, now this film had a few OHS issues. Aside from that. Aside from smelly uh, yeah. chocolate water, uh, <laughs> during the Wonka wash car scene, the foam used to spurt out uh, was compiled from basic fire extinguishers. But what was unknown to the cast and crew was that the foam itself was a potent skin irritant. 
So after shooting the scene, the actors and actresses were left in considerable discomfort when their skin puffed up and required several days to receive medical treatment and recovery. <laughs> oh, jeez. Denise uh, Nickerson um, said that she was in math class. This was after filming. And the kids pointed and laughed at her, and one of her friends told her she was turning purple. The makeup that had been used on the film had seeped into her pores and was resurfacing. Oh. So. You would, as a kid, flip out. Like, oh, my God, the film is right. Mm. What, like, what about the uh, wasps? Do you have the wasps there? Yes. The, um, oh, the wasps from the machine? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, uh, the actor who played Mike TV let them out. Because... <laughs> He was a bit of a, a bit of a shit on set. Basically, <laughs> he was just a bit of a prankster, and he just let the wasps out. <laughs> Apparently, oh. he was the only one who got stung. But <laughs> there you go. That yeah. that makes sense. But yeah, he's um, yeah. There's a, there's a fair few of these. There was obviously the kid whose head got whacked by the counter oh, in the Candyman oh, yeah. sequence. Because yeah. that kid like literally cops it on the chin hmm. when the um the during the Candyman singing. song. Um, when he lifts up the bar at one point to let all the kids come by, there's this kid who's obviously, I want to go first, mm. and just gets completely clopped, and yeah. you, you can't miss it. But Once you see it, it can't be. Yeah. It's like the stormtrooper whacking his head on the door yeah. of yeah, the, the so But then, yeah. as soon as it's whacked, the kid's like, oh yeah, my next direction is to walk through. Yeah. So she just walks through. Uh, and another one with uh, Violet, um, her blueberry scene was shot in the middle of the day, meaning that um, between takes, they had to break for lunch. She, had she to, was still stuck in it. She had to stay in the blueberry costume <laughs> uh, and had to just be turned over several times for proper blood circulation. Oh, oh. <laughs> Poor thing. Turned over several times. You'll be all right. Just yeah. spin her around a few yeah. times. <laughs> just walk it off. Oh, wait. Yeah. Mm. Um, Pete Ostrom said in DVD commentary that he and Jack Albertson were very excited to do the fizzy lifting drink scene thinking it'd be lots of fun but it wasn't due to the metal surrounding them being rather sharp and the harnesses being very tight uh, particularly in the crotch area Uh, apparently Albertson joked that music from uh, the Nutcracker Suite should have been played in the background Um, not necessarily a health and safety issue but the Boeing 747 shown in the film unloading Wonka bars uh, was actually destroyed in a crash a few years later. Oh. It crashed in Bali in Indonesia. Um, oh, nearby. Yeah, so, yeah, it was... Yeah, it, it, this film did not have a good track record with, like, things staying intact. Yeah, yeah machinery, yeah. Mm. Uh, some of the actors at the time who were linked with uh, the role of um, of Willie, um, obviously Spike Milligan, who we mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, we mentioned during the filming... Uh, sorry, during the watching of it, um, that all six Pythons um, had expressed an interest to play it, but they weren't big enough internationally. Yeah. Who would have been the worst Python to the... play it? Um, Gilliam? Gilliam? Yeah, yeah, that's a fair I, point. I, I jo- kind jo- of would have loved to have seen six versions of this film. Though. All six of all... them coming out at the same oh, time. No, 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 but like, here's the John Cleese version. Here's the Eric Idle version. Like Clue. Yeah. Okay, okay, the John Cleese version. Right, come this way. Don't this touch way. Don't worry anything. about that. Yeah. <laughs> The Eric, uh, the Eric Idle version, he'd just be singing all the songs. Come with me. <laughs> and you'll be. Michael Palin would have been quite nice. He, I think he'd have been quite vulnerable. I think he could have done I, that. Yeah. Well, they I would originally... have loved to have seen Graham Chapman. Graham Chapman oh, would have been my yeah. choice. Yeah. Just yeah, two naughty children gone. Three good little children left. <laughs> that would have been great. He yeah, is he's good. Because so when good. they were filming, like when they started to decide to do Holy Grail and Life of Brian, Everybody um, originally thought that their leading man, which was eventually Chapman, mm. their leading man was going to be Michael Palin because mm. he oh. was the handsomest. He was, you know, the most one that would tick all those boxes. And mm. like Chapman's 
not totally up there as well yeah. right, in terms of that. But but he works. He's really good King Arthur and he's a really good Chapman. Brian. Chapman yeah. is maybe one of the best comedic straight men. Um, yeah, he's, he's the perfect straight That's man. been introduced. And given the fact that he is so funny as, a, as, as the non-straight character um, in a lot of those scenes yeah. that he does, it, yeah, he really was a fantastic comedic talent. Yes. And I think that sort of talent, as we've seen with this film with Gene Wilder, it would have worked. Yeah. I think he would have probably been the standout of, yeah. of the Pythons. I think I, um, Terry Jones would have been good, thinking of um, Wind in the Willows. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. would have. To be honest, Terry Gilliam probably wouldn't have been bad. It's just that yeah. the others would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, and Terry Gilliam is the one least known for his acting. Yeah. They oh, always oh, tend to play the disgusting characters. Yeah. Although Terry Gilliam would have probably uh, hung out with the Umpa Lumper actors and gone, I've got this idea for a film. <laughs> 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 you guys free in a few years? Um, yeah, and it's funny to think like, oh my God, these guys are not strong enough for like an international audience. Are you serious? But you've got to remember this is like season three of Flying Circus. Yeah, so they, mm. they weren't, um, they were big names in Britain. Yeah. But, but for an American film studio... Wouldn't have no, happened. they wouldn't have done it. Like, yeah. Whereas Wilder had already been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Mm. And, Al- and so had Albertson. Yeah. Al- in fact, I think Albertson beat him to that Oscar. He did, yeah. 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 So, yeah, mm. those, yeah, they were you know actors on top of their game. Yeah. Um, the other actor who was linked, and making another appearance in the podcast links, which I'm really pleased with, John Pertwee. Oh, really? Yes, yeah. he came up a he was, ago. But he um, turned it down because he was playing the Doctor at the time. He'd only yeah. been the Doctor for like a year or less yeah. when, he, when he got offered it. And you can see, like, there is that, as I made before, there is this kind of Willy mm. Wonka, the Doctor kind of mm. similar Connection. similarity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he would have been a great one. But, mm. yeah. but no, I think yeah, it has to be Gene. Yeah. It's yeah. just when he walks out and he's so stern and he's got the limp but his eyes are blue and twinkling away yeah. he, and the hair is all he's he's frizzing. got a, he's got an intelligence and a mischievousness to his to himself that yeah. probably not even anybody we've listed so far probably doesn't really have that as much yeah mm. there's like just... even milligan or um yeah even milligan or chapman yeah yeah maybe eric idol mm. but Eric Idle looks like Gene Wilder. Yeah, he looks like Gene Wilder, so maybe yeah. I'm just... But, <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just going, eh, we'll get the yeah. next one. Yeah. But no, and I think it's it's one of those things where... I, yeah, it's just one of those things where somebody absolutely nails something 100%, mm. and I think that's what Gene Wilder did in this. Yeah. Absolutely. This and is I've, Gene Wilder's movie, Yeah, basically. Yeah, and this is... And he's only in the second half of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's less than half, even. Like, it's... Like, it really should be Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm. But he is still the bit that sticks out. Like, it's just a picture of him on the cover. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. So he, mm. yeah, he owns it. Yeah. Let's score the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, obviously, for those of you listening, this is where we score the film out of 10. This is just a personal reflection of how much we did or didn't enjoy the film. But, you know, you watch the film and make your own decisions. Mm. Jason, this was your first time watching the film. Yes. What would you give it out of 10? I would give it seven and a half counts of industrial espionage out of ten. <laughs> there was a few. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool. An enjoyable film? Yeah, yeah. Good. Not amazing. Like, mm. I don't feel like it changed my life, but as I kind of mentioned, I feel like I've already seen it mm. in a lot of ways. So it's a classic. All right. Mm. Uh, Carmen, what would you give the film? Uh, we'll go eight angry wasps out of ten. Mm. Yeah, I think it's not a perfect film. Um, but ge- generally, when I 
score these, I, I tend to reserve like, you know, a 10 out of 10 for a film that I don't think could have been made any better at the time. I think there are aspects of this film that could have been done better. Mm. But yeah. I, I think given the, given how well put together it is, how iconic it's been, it gets points just for Gene Wilder. Um, yeah. I, I think, and also, uh, you know, it does have a, a like a big nostalgic pull from me. I can't really ignore that in trying to score this. I can try, but it's not <laughs> going to work. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those. I'd probably have to give it. Um, I'd, I'd give it nine <laughs> out of ten. Um, I just, yeah, I think it's. I want. I kind of want to go watch it again right now, and I think that's. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't got anything to do, um, but yeah, it's. I think it's a very good. It's it's a very good story, and I think it still holds up as well. Um, but it's not a perfect film. You know, there are bits where it's like that shot's not great. Um, yeah, it looks pretty cheap. Yeah, but... some of the uh, some of the uh, little sketches they have in the first half, like the guy with the computer saying yeah. uh, trying to get a computer to find. Oh no, I love that bit. It's, it's so good, good, but it's just kind of like I kind of feel like eh, we could live without that. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of the first half of that but was it's just there padding. This guy. Yeah. yeah, the uh, Mrs. Bucket song. Yeah, it's quite forgettable. It's a nice song. Yeah, but I'd completely forgotten about it well, when I came disappears. to watching it. Yeah, yeah. she like. We go to the factory. We don't see the family exactly. again. Mm. Is she in the 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 uncle the, the grandpa Jack Joe dance bit? She's, she's on the side. Yeah, she sort she, of she's stands in back. it. And yeah. you kind of forget that. Like it's kind of that's almost mm. a send off in a way. Yeah. But at the same time, all you really need is you only need one person representing this family, and that's yeah. grandpa. But yeah, in spite of everything, for me, it's yeah, it's a nine vicious canids out of ten yeah. it's just yeah it's just a wonderful wonderful film mm. and uh jason and carmen thank you very much for joining me and watching it you're very thank welcome you for having thank us. you and for those of you listening at home oh boy do we have five golden tickets for you and if by five golden tickets we mean another 61 episodes of there this <laughs> stuff that's right uh we have lots and lots of wonderful episodes for you to go back and listen to we can be found on itunes and soundcloud and other podcasting or podcatching services so just search for them there and if you fancy you know joining an even more exclusive club maybe getting to see inside the factory and by that i mean some bonus content <laughs> then we can be found on patreon just go to www.patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and for more information we have a facebook page just search for the cinema catch-up club there but that's all for this week so until next time Goodbye. Avida Sain. Goodbye. Gesundheit. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs>